Fantastic. Good. Well, good morning. Um, now, I just wanted to start by um, just saying hi. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to see you at church this morning. Now, you might be wondering, like, why it's raining. You might be wondering, like, why is it so wet outside this morning? And, and I've, got, I've, got the, I've got the answer to that. I'm going to tell you why it's raining today, okay? So um, it's because Jim stood up last week and he said this. If we could just have a little look at the video. <laughs> Guys, can you run? Um, I've got some good news, everyone. Are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? Winter is over. Spring has begun. I officially declare the flip-flop season to be over. Oh, no, begun, 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 begun. I know it may be February still, but the Bible says that faith has been uncertain of what we hope for. And so I'm declaring it to be spring. Yeah. So I meant to bring some flip-flops for you to wear this morning, but I forgot. So there you go. If you want to know why it's raining, raining, blame Jim. Um, since the beginning of the new year we've been uh, on Sundays looking at uh, like we're going through a series called Brand New uh, how Jesus transforms everything and this morning is uh, kind of the last message in that um, series Um, next week we're going to be moving on we've got a new series starting next week where we're going to be looking at kind of like some of the challenges we face in like the busyness of life Like, how do you find peace in a world of anxiety? How do you find contentment in a world that says you need more and more and more stuff in order to be satisfied? Um, Like, how do you find time to pray in a world just full of noise? So they're some of the things that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. But before we move on, I want us to spend the next 25 minutes or so looking at and talking about freedom or as Mel Gibson in the film Braveheart would say, freedom! You know, that's blank faces. Um, the desire for freedom has been part of humanity ever since time began. We all want to be free, but what is freedom? And how do you achieve it? And how do you know if you are free? You know, in the UK, the desire for freedom is one of the main cultural values that people seem to be striving uh, towards or trying to achieve. You know, we talk a lot about freedom. We talk about freedom of expression, freedom of speech, political freedom, social freedom, sexual freedom, national freedom. But probably more than anything else, we talk about individual freedom. You know, that seems to be the holy grail of freedoms that everyone is trying to attain, trying to achieve in somehow, you know. And the thing is, whenever we um, talk about freedom, if it's a popular subject, not only do we talk about it, but we also start to sing about it. You know, you notice that? The things that become kind of popular also find themselves into our popular culture songs. And there's, there's loads of songs out there which are about freedom. And so what I've done this morning, I've just picked like four of my favorite kind of popular culture songs about freedom, which I'm going to play you some snippets of, um, to kind of like, so you can see what, what are they saying about freedom and what it is. And so here's the thing, I want you just to listen to these, and the first person that can name each of the artists and the song and get themselves up here and tell me what they are, will receive these Cadbury's Cream Eggs. Okay, so let's just listen um, to these four snippets of songs. 
think they've got all four. Anyone want to come? Anyone at all? Awesome. If we're going to call it a rollover, we'll have these in. Do you think you, do you want to come up? Do you think you've got them? No. Okay. Well, well, that's interesting. Okay. We'll roll it over. To, so there could, this, this could be a rollover. In the 11.30, someone could get 24 Cadbury's cream eggs. So let me tell you, the first one was Queen. Um, I want to break free. Uh, second one, Rolling Stones, I'm free. And then you had Oasis, whatever, and then the beautiful Matt Munro, Born Free, you know? And um, so these kind of like songs that we sing about tell us something about what freedom is. But, you know, there, there's a, there's, they're good examples, but they're not the best example of what our culture teaches us about freedom. The best song about freedom can be found in the f- film Frozen. Uh, you know, the Disney film, Frozen, the song, Let It Go. It's, a, it's an amazing song. I've been listening to it a couple of times this week. And it has this ability to just get stuck in your head and you find yourself singing it. I have been going around the house singing this song, Let It Go, all week. Uh, and in it, it contains something. Uh, it talks about freedom. So I'm just going to play you this snippet, watch the film. And I'm, only, I'm playing you this because it says something about freedom, but I'm also playing this because I want it to get stuck in your head like it's stuck in mine. Okay, so let's just, let's just watch the video a second. Oh, it's pause a minute. Pause a minute. Just to explain, if you haven't seen Frozen, okay, um, uh, if you've not seen Frozen before, then what you're going to see is this character called Elsa. And, and Elsa, she has these powers that anything she touches... Um, turns to ice, okay? And, and so to be around her can be pretty dangerous. And so what she decides is that she is going to leave community um, because if she, touch, if she touches something without gloves on, you know, you get turned to ice. So she's going to walk away from community, and she goes up this snowy mountain, and on her way up this mountain, she sings this song about freedom. So let's just watch it. It's funny how some distance you sing along, makes everything seem small And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do to tackle Come the on, limits sing. and break the No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free Here we go 
fantastic. Nice singing, people. You know, nowhere else will you ever hear like the Rolling Stones, Oasis, and the theme tune for Frozen played in the same place. You know, it's time to see, uh, it's time to uh, see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Freedom, according to what our culture sings about, is... Um, seems to be, and seems to be aspiring to, is the right to act, to speak in a way that, any way that you want as an individual. It's a freedom that the dictionary describes as being free from external um, constraints on you, not being imprisoned or enslaved by anyone or anything. That's what we think freedom is. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. And this concept of freedom starts at a, a very young age. And I asked my children this week, you know, what do you think freedom is? And my 10-year-old said, you know, freedom is not having to go to school. You know? But my daughter, who's eight, said freedom is not having any rules. You know, this idea that that's what freedom is, is ingrained in us from childhood. And the arch enemy to that kind of freedom in our culture is Christianity. You know, and for many people, the idea of freedom and Christianity just don't go together. They're like a kind of Marmite and jam sandwich. It just doesn't work. You know, people say things like, you know, Christianity is a straitjacket. I just want to be free. Christianity is just so full of rules. I don't want to be ruled by anything. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. So the question is, are they right? Or can you be a Christian and be free? Or well, the answer to that is no, you can't. But ultimately, the answer is also an emphatic yes, you can. You know, I've been grappling kind of all week to try and work out how do you explain freedom? Because it's not a simple subject that we make it out to be. It's, it's complex. I wish it was simple, but it's, it's not. It's hard to kind of grapple with. And on the one hand, the Bible says things like this. You have been set free from sin. Fantastic. But then it says, and you have become slaves to righteousness. Well, that doesn't sound much like the freedom that we're after. But then on the other hand, in John's Gospel, chapter 8, Jesus, when he's talking to a bunch of Jews, he says, if the Son, he's talking about himself, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So can you be um, completely free as a Christian? Well, the Bible seems to say no. But ultimately, it also says Yes. You know, we've been looking at what it means to have a brand new life in Jesus over the last uh, few weeks. And part of that life includes a new freedom. But what does that look like? You know, Christianity, I want to say at the beginning, is not a straitjacket. It has the ability to lead you into unparalleled sense of freedom. That has been my experience over the last 18 years. But it's not a freedom that fits with what our culture sings about. And I want to be as bold as to suggest that the kind of freedom that involves not having any restraints, not living to any external rules, is a fantasy. It's a freedom that doesn't exist. 
It's an unworkable definition of what freedom is. It, it, it may be something that people are trying to pursue, but it's impossible to attain. Let me just give you an example of what I mean. Um, you know, a 60-year-old man, he, he likes to eat what he wants. He, he likes to go out with friends. Part of his daily joy is to eat food. And then one day he goes and sees a doctor, and the doctor says to him, you know, uh, unless you severely restrict what you are going to eat, you are going to have severe health problems. You're going to be open to heart disease. You're going to have um, a shorter life. So then the question is, what does freedom look like for that man? If freedom is the ability to do whatever you want, then here's the problem. He wants to be in good health, but he also wants to eat these kind of foods, which means his desires conflict. And one of the main problems with a definition of freedom that is about doing whatever you want um, is that your desires contradict each other. So if you end, up having, you end up having to make a choice, you have to choose between the desires or, or, or the freedoms you have. And the way you do that is to think about the choices, what choices you have that are going to liberate you and which choices you have that are going to enslave you. Which of the desires that are uh, initially seem to bring you joy but are eventually going to put you in bed? You see, there is freedoms. There's not just freedom. There's the freedom of health, and there's the freedom of the pleasure of food. And you have to make your choice. And the real freedom comes when you make a strategic cho choice to lose some freedoms in order to gain some greater ones. Yeah? So in this scenario, the man might lose his freedom to eat whatever he wants, but he gains the freedom of life. Elsa, in the song that, you know, she goes on to say... I'm alone, but I'm free. You know, she's made the choice. She's gained the freedom to use her powers, but she's lost the freedom of friendship, family, community. I'm free, but I'm a slave to loneliness. And all the time we're making choices that restrict some of our freedoms in order to gain other ones. You know, if you want to have a professional qualification, then you're going to have to go to college and university. And, and much of your day and week is going to be spent studying. You're, you're constrained by the study. But you're choosing those constraints because eventually you'll have the freedom of a professional qualification. If you're an athlete, then you are constraining yourself all the time. You're constraining what you eat, how much sleep you get, what you drink, what you do in your spare time, but you're choosing those constraints for the freedom of a sporting career. If you're, an if you're alcoholic, alcohol dependent, you choose to constrain your use of alcohol in order to gain a, the freedom of a sober life. You know, freedom is not the absence of constraints. It's finding the constraints that liberate us. And the reality is there's no such thing as living without constraints. Uh, and Romans 6, uh, Paul, he writes this. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, 
which leads to life. You know, the people that uh, Paul was talking to would have had a very different understanding of what slavery is than we do in the 21st century. You know, if, in Paul's time, if you were kind of facing a, a lifelong debt and you didn't know, kind of, you didn't want to be saddled with it for the rest of your life, then what you would do is you would sell yourself into slavery in order to pay the debt off quicker. So you would offer yourself to someone. You know, the result is you would get your debt paid off. But the problem was that that person then becomes your master and they have complete control over your life. And Paul is saying, don't you know that that there are only two categories of people in the world? People that are obeying God and are in complete service to him and people who are slaves to something else. That's it. There's only two options available to us. Everyone is giving themselves to something. And the question is whether what we're um, giving ourselves leads to life or will ultimately destroy you. There is no secret third category of individual freedom where you get to live completely independently. Everyone is living for something and therefore constrained by something. Whether that's your career, your personal independence, political ideology, your beauty, money, sex, fashion, whatever you are living for controls you to some extent. You become a slave to the thing that you are giving your life to. You might think you're free. No rights, no wrongs, no rules for me, but that's just not true. Everyone is living for and submitting themselves to something, trying to get... Um, their means of significance and approval from something. And whatever you're giving yourself to in the world is becoming your master and will ultimately end up disappointing you. You know, if you live for money and, and, and things, that will never be enough. It becomes your master and you become its slave. It controls you. It governs the choices you make. You know, John D. Rockefeller, at one time one of the wealthiest man's in America, he was once asked, you know, how much money do you need in order to be happy? And he paused for a moment, only a moment, because he knew the answer, and he just said, just a little bit more. How much money do you need in order to be happy? Just a little bit more. You know, if you offer yourself to the pursuit of money, it will never be enough. It will never give you the freedom of contentment. It will enslave you and leave you wanting more. If you offer your body to a kind of beauty, um, it will, you'll never feel completely beautiful. It won't fully satisfy you. You know, Marilyn Monroe, you know, she once said, I'm a failure as a woman. She said, but my men expect so much of me because of the image they've made of me, the image I've made of myself as a sex symbol, and I can't live up to it. She had offered herself to to beauty and image, and it became her master, and she became its slave, and the tragedy is it ended up killing her. If you live for power, you'll always end up feeling weak to some extent. You'll become a slave to needing more and more power in order to feel significant. If you live for intellect, you'll end up feeling stupid. You'll become a slave to studying more and more just to keep up with other people in academia. You have to live and give yourself to something. 
And whatever that is becomes your master because you don't belong to yourself. You're not hardwired to be completely independent. We think we are, but we're not designed that way. And when Jesus comes along and he says, you know, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed, he's not saying, you know, I'll give you the freedom of independence. I'll set you free and you can then make up your own rules about how you're going to live. You can do whatever you want. When I come, I'll set you free. You can be independent. No, he's saying, I'll give you the ultimate freedom that will leave you not feeling controlled, but liberated, not feeling in a straitjacket, but free. But it's only possible to receive through relationship with me. And like any relationship, that will restrict your independence and it will include obedience. And that can be something um, that often becomes a sticking point for people. You know, sticking point for us. We don't want to be governed by anything. No rights, no rules, no, you know, no rules for me. I'm free. But the reality is none of us are living free. We, we offer ourselves all the time to our, our jobs, to money, to sex, to material goods on a daily basis. But we are resistant to even entertaining the idea of offering ourselves in obedience to a God. Even though the Bible says that's the way that we will know true freedom. You know, why is that? I think it's because we haven't really sometimes understood the sort of relationship that he offers us and how that relationship works. You know, to try and explain it, Jesus told uh, a story of a father who had two sons uh, that were living with him. And one day, one of the sons um, said to his father, I want my share of my inheritance. In effect, he was saying, I want independence. I want to live free. I don't want to live under your rules anymore. I want to go off and I want to do my own thing. And so his father gives him his money and he went off to a distant land. And if he was singing, if he knew the, you know, the song Frozen, he would have been skipping along at the time, you know, let it go. I'm free, I'm free. Free to do whatever I want, do whatever I choose, to say whatever. He's skipping along saying, I'm free at last. And that's how he tried to live. You know, Jesus describes it in his story as, as wild living. You know, a life that he tried to live without any rules, not subject to anyone. But after a while, after he'd spent all his money, one day he's sitting in a field with a bunch of pigs. And Jesus says he comes to his senses. And he recognizes that what he thought was freedom is actually slavery. What he thought was independence was actually ended up being isolation. And in that moment, he makes a decision to go back to his father's house. And he recognizes that he had more freedom living under the rule of his father than he had trying to have independence. The obedience that he thought was a straitjacket was actually a source of security and freedom for him. And he planned to go back and he, he planned to repent about how he had turned his back on his father, not expecting any forgiveness, ju just hoping that he might get a job as a servant in his father's house. You know, after all of his searching for freedom, he now believed that even being a slave 
in his father's house would be better than what he experienced living as an independent person. But instead, when he's still a long way off, we're told that the father, he, he runs to him, he puts his arms around him, he kisses him, he, he hosts a banquet for him and has a feast for him. You know, rather than accepting him back as a slave, he reinstates him as a son. And what the son discovered was that his father was the only person that if he obeyed him, if he loved him, if he really understood him, would love him back. And if he failed him, would continue to love him and would forgive him. Nothing else he would live for would do that. You know, your careers, if you live for your careers, if you, if you fail, it will spit you out and you know, chew you up and spit you out. If you live for money, it won't forgive you. It will just, once you don't have it, it will just ruin you. He recognized the father was the only one that, if he, under his light rule, he could know complete freedom and forgiveness. And what the man came to realize was the greatest sense of freedom comes when we're in a loving relationship. In his case, it was not a master-slave relationship. It was a father-son relationship. There's nothing more satisfying, nothing that makes us feel more secure, more alive, more free than when we are in a loving relationship. But the minute you get into a relationship and the deeper it gets and, and the more wonderful it gets, the more you lose your sense of independence. You ever notice that? You know? It's what the son was grappling with at the beginning of the story. You know, even from the moment you enter a relationship, you can't just do what you want anymore. You know, when I first started dating Rachel, I, I couldn't just suddenly say, you know, Rachel, I'm, I'm just going to go traveling for six months. You know, I'm just going to go traveling for six months. I had to think about her all of a sudden, you know, because... I couldn't say, you know, I want to be in a relationship with you, but I also want to be free, you know? She might say, well, I'm going traveling for six months is not really very convenient to me. I can't just go, well, I'm sorry, no rights, no rules for me. I want to be free. I think she would just say, nah, I think we're breaking up. <laughs> you know, I don't think this relationship's a good one. You know, to know freedom... Uh, the freedom that comes from being in a loving relationship. Not, not one person, but both people have to say to the other, I will adjust for you. I, I will change for you. I, I will give up my independence for, for you and my freedom for you. I will serve you even if that means a sacrifice for me. If one person does that in a relationship, then what you have is exploitation. But if both people saying, I, I will change for you, I will adjust for you, I will give up my freedom for you, that's how you find love. And within that love, you can experience incredible freedom. And you might say, well, you know, how does this relate to God? Surely any relationship with him is going to be an exploitative relationship. You know, he's the one with all the power. He's the the one with all the control. We're just the ones that are always going to have to do the adjusting, always have to do the submitting. Well, that's true if you think God is a boss. And that's true of all other religions, but it's not true of Christianity. You know, the message of the gospel is that God, who had all the power in the world, looked down upon us, trapped 
desperate for freedom and in pursuit of our own independence, was becoming enslaved to all sorts of things that were destroying us. And what does he do? Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself and became a servant. Mark 10, 45 says, Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He laid aside all of his majesty and was nailed to the cross to pay the price to get us out of the slavery of sin that we were in. And on the cross, Jesus was effectively saying, I will adjust for you. I will sacrifice for you. I will give up my freedom for you. Why wouldn't we want to offer ourselves to the only master of the universe that has offered himself to us? You know, C.S. Lewis, he, he once said this, I was not born free. I was born to adore and obey. You see, we have this kind of Strange mentality of no rights, no rules, no rules for me. But we're not designed to live like that. Just like the son um, who left his father's house to try and find his own kind of sense of freedom, he, he recognizes it didn't satisfy because it's not real freedom. We're designed to have our hearts captured by the one who created us and the one who in love, freely gave himself for us. You know, once we have our hearts captured by him, we discover that there's no better freedom than to live in his house, which will involve obeying his rules. But in it, we can discover a brand new life. We can know freedom that will transform our identity and give us new priorities, a, a freedom that will help us to love God and love people, a freedom that will transform our minds and give us a new sense of purpose, a freedom that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. It all comes from being in a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's where true freedom comes. I, I want us to stand, and we're going to just uh, worship and pray together as we finish. And, and, and as we, I just want to ask you, are you free? Are you free? Everyone's living for something. There's only two categories. You're, you're either living for obeying and find the freedom that is available in God, or you're living for something else and you're slave to that other thing. Do you feel free?